0: Hey Sea of Red, before this segment gets started here real quick, we just want to let you know that there will be some updates coming up along the way, pertaining to the channel, sponsorships, all that sort of jazz. So in advance, if you guys like our content, feel free to hit that subscribe button. What up Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL.
1: With your hosts, Raja Buri and Noah
0: Appleton. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. Hey guys, so as you can see, Noah is not here today. He got caught up with school project, ew, gross, but it's fine. I took the trip, and I'm here with TSN's Solemn Valji. How are you doing, Solemn? Good. How are you? Great. The season's starting very, very soon here, October 13th. We have two preseason games remaining. What is the overall, I guess, read that you get with being in the room? Well, Raja, I think think the
1: expectations are very, very high for this group, and that's not just us talking about it. It's how they feel themselves. They look at this team as one that has the real possibility of going on a a deep playoff run and, and uh, doing even better than they did last season. So I think that's the vibe around the locker room. It's a, it's an older team. There probably aren't going to be a ton of games played by, by rookies or players in their entry level contracts this season. You might see Jacob Peltier, Uh, and Connor Mackey sneak in games and, and Adam Rzichka I guess would be in that category, but this is a veteran team. This is a group of several players that have won Stanley cups. There's an expectation and culture that was really set last season. And they're looking to build off of that in terms of vibes around camp. It's integrating your new colleagues, figuring out where they fit on the lineup and, and, You know, you you saw Uyghur, Huberto, and Kadri at uh, the Stampeders game. So, you know, integrating them into the city and into the group chat. And then it's it's the lines themselves and how that'll play out. I think there's going to be a lot of tinkering early on in the season. And there is that gaping hole on the right side in the top nine that they're trying to figure out. And yeah, that's the vibe, I'd say. And uh, I think players are excited. And. I think the bigger difference this season is that there are lots of expectations this time, this training camp compared to last season when a lot of people, including me, weren't quite sure if the team would even make the playoffs. Now they are, I don't think they have a target on their back, but the Calgary Flames aren't going to catch people off guard this year. So that's another pretty interesting wrinkle in all of this.
0: Exactly. And I mean, you talked about the gaping hole I guess on that right side and you got guys like Sonny Milano who came in on a PTO and I feel like expectations were pretty high maybe a little more overrated in terms of the general consensus of what people thought of him coming into camp I guess just your read on his underwhelming camp so far and whether or not he'll end up earning himself a contract with the club
1: yeah Raja I think he started off well he Mm -hmm. He looked decent in practices and he scored in that interest squad game. But since then, you know, even against teams that are playing a lot of AHL players or, or depth NHL forwards, uh, Sonny just hasn't quite stood out. And I think when he came to Calgary, there was a very clear path for him to get a contract, right? I don't think the flames were eager on splitting up back when Coleman and Dubé there's a very, very big hole there between, uh, beside Manjapane and Kadri, and Milano just ha- he hasn't played with those two because he hasn't quite earned that that right yet because he's been a little bit underwhelming and you you don't see the finishing ability that that he was brought here for. He's coming off a career season, but you know he he's not scored in the preseason here. He hasn't quite looked like he's gotten. Offensive opportunities, he's not really shooting the puck. It's And Daryl Sutter's system is, you know, dump and chase, find the player in the slot for an opportunity or feed the puck back to the point and look for a tip. But, you know, Milano ha- just hasn't asserted himself in the offensive zone. And he said that, you know, he's happy with his game away from the puck, and that's great, and Sutter certainly demands that. But Sonny Milano wasn't brought here to be a defensive specialist. He was brought here ideally to contribute between 30 and 45 points, I think would be realistic and perhaps play with a little bit of grit that setters coax that have skilled players in the past. So I would say that's what Sonny Milano's camp has been. I think they're still giving him an opportunity. I think they're still going to see what he can do. And for all we know, he might be on a squaring line in Winnipeg on Wednesday or even back here on Friday, but it has been underwhelming and, it's too bad because I think there was this wasn't a long shot for him to get a, a contract in Calgary. There was a very, very realistic path, but he just hasn't quite seized it yet.
0: The Calgary Flames obviously claimed redeem Zahorna off waivers from the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think the Flames were intrigued by the player. Maybe they, to me, to me that speaks maybe
1: more to Brett Ritchie. Honestly, that was my first thought
0: mm-hmm. when I
1: saw the waiver claim is maybe they look at this player and I don't know very much about him but by all accounts he has a strong camp and he was projected to make the Pittsburgh Penguins opening night roster by a lot of people. I looked at it and saw maybe maybe that's Brett Ritchie's spot that's being compromised a little bit with this addition. This is a big body, a player that can skate very well apparently and Ritchie, who is a beloved teammate and Sutter loves him, he doesn't quite have the hands or the finishing ability. And maybe they look at, at uh, this new addition as someone that can play on that fourth line. Maybe towards the middle part of the season, you can moonlight him on a scoring line. But I looked at it initially as hey, maybe Brett Ritchie will get uh, sent to the AHL. But I wouldn't be shocked. And I, I, I think their plan or their hope coming into training camp was to deal a defenseman for a forward. And then Oliver Shillington had some family issues and has not reported and that complicated things because their defense is a very, very strong part of their, of their roster. So that complicated things as well. And then Sonny Milano just coming in and Jacob Peltier too, just not being able to seize that opportunity. And here you are, you've got a big hole still and you don't quite know um, how it will shape. out. I thought their lineup yesterday played really well and I could very easily see Rooney just being a winger on this team. And, uh, taking faceoffs whenever Backland's on his offside or something. But uh, yeah, that's where I think things stand. And I look at the waiver claim
0: yesterday as more what happened to Brett Ritchie now. You take a look at Zahorna's analytics, and albeit in a small sample size, he seems to be someone that is good at driving play. Like he's got good yeah. course four numbers, good expected goals four numbers, a um, pretty high overall game score. So to me, it, it just feels like you know, adding in the size factor as well. Richie is immediately who I thought of too. I just wondered if maybe that waiver claim would kind of solidified the fact that one of Milano or Eakin was going to be released off their PTO, considering that you have a guy who's guaranteed to be here. If Shillington, you know, if the personal reasons that you know he's now left the team for, if that didn't come into play, that the team might have looked to move a defenseman. Would that defenseman? Like just hypothetically, do you think that could have been Uso Valamaki sort of change the scenery type thing?
1: Uh, good question, Raja. I that I think Valamaki's time with the organization might be might be drawing to a close. And it's not a bad thing necessarily. You know, it they gave it a, a really honest shot. I think he had he's had some really just snake bitten luck. Um honestly thought Shillington might have a, might be that person that might get Put just to see what, what he could fetch on the open market. He's coming off a really strong season and has opened a lot of people's eyes that he is a legitimate National Hockey League defenseman. And if you're if you're playing ten with Weger and Anderson and Hannifin together, I think Zadorov and, and Shillington would be a pretty intriguing combo. I just I just don't see Sutter looking at his third pair as that. I think Malosh has the inside track to play with Zadorov, and then they'll have Stone as their seventh. Uh it's gonna happen eventually, I think. Uh but but to me it was it was I I looked I looked at Shillington as the most movable part of that blue line before he's he his absence was announced. And there are lots of teams that could use a a player like Shillington who could skate really well, has good offensive instincts. He's got a little bit of work to do defensively, but uh you saw the strides he made last offseason. And for all we know, he might have improved his game that much more the past few months.
0: It'll take, it'll take some time to tell. But Shillington was more the guy I thought they'd test the market on. Interesting. Yeah, that, my brain definitely did not go there in terms of looking at him as a target. So it's interesting that you put that out. Um, and I think
1: there's just there's a limited amount of minutes too, right? There's there's a limited amount of power play time. Mackenzie Wieger is going to probably play both special teams. He might not be on the top unit for both of them. You have Zadorov, who will probably have a bigger role on this team. Mm. Uh, and paying your sixth defense and two and a half million. They were able to do a few things last year, like having a fourth line that made 11 plus million a year in, in Monaghan, Lucic, and Richie. And you you just might not have the, cla- the cap flexibility for that type of luxury this time around. And uh, again, I don't think Daryl Sutter wants his expects his third pairing to move the puck a ton. He expects them to play heavy and hard minutes. Um, I know Zadorov and brands and started a lot of their shifts in the offensive zone, but I don't know if that's going to be the case this time around with this season around with the third pairing. And to me, Malosh fits a lot more Sutter's vision of the third pairing than Shillington does. So, and and I think a lot of teams would benefit from having
0: Shillington on their roster. So I think exploring the market for him was a real possibility. Looking at the projected top line right now, the way I'm looking at the top nine, it's like you have three duos and then you have a missing mm-hmm. piece to round out each line. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like Huberto Lindholm, Manjapani, Kadri, Backlund Coleman, and then question mark on each end. Um, do you see to fully staying there or do you think they'll experiment with Manjapani moving up at some point, assuming they want to? I guess give that a look. Albeit, I mean, I'm not the one that wants to see a split between Manjapani and Kadri because on paper, I feel like that would be Mm -hmm. just wonderful to have both of them together on a line. But if for whatever reason, Tofoli isn't a fit there, my belief is that Manj is the one that moves up in terms of, I guess, trying to replicate what Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk were able to do last season. Albeit, that was like record breaking and the comparable is pretty skewed. But I just feel like if you were looking at that philosophy, Manjapani seems like a fit there. If that doesn't work out with Toffoli, uh,
1: I, I agree. I, I think Toffoli is—they uh, haven't found quite the the chemistry yet early on. Huberto Lindholm Toffoli. I can actually see uh, Huberto Kadri, Manjapani. Like I think I think the blender is going to come out a lot in the coming. Few couple of games and and even into the first part of the regular season uh, because they haven't necessarily. Insider said yesterday, outside of the one duo of Backlund and Coleman, pretty much everything is is still waiting to be sorted out. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, I think Kadri is is really good on the forecheck. He does a lot of things well. but he's super good on the forecheck. Manchapane, Kadri, and Dubé look like a really good line. But I just I'm intrigued by if you put an elite passer with Kadri and Manjapane, just how that'll go, and then you have Lindholm skating with Toffoli potentially, and then you tr- like maybe you put Dubé on that line. Like I know you're you're probably a little bit top heavy in that case, where you've got probably your leading goal scorer this season in Manjapane, and you've you've got probably your three best pure offensive players on one line, but um, Toffoli he he's looked like he hasn't. Like he's finding his foot speed with two players that that he's not quite played with very often, and
0: mm-hmm. you can
1: tell that early in preseason. So, I think they're going to bring out the blender a little bit over these coming few games, and I could easily see Manchapane. I, I don't think they'll necessarily have like a clear cut one and two line. I think it'll be more one A one B, and the ice time won't change very much between the two. But uh, I could, yeah, I agree, Roger. I could very easily see Manchakane. Uh, getting a, a very long look at first line right wing. It's just who his center will be, whether they whether they have Lindholm in that one C or whether they put Padre there
0: instead. All right, good to chat with you, buddy. Let me know if you're ever at a game again and stay in touch. Awesome. All righty. So that was Salim Balji from TSN.